How many of you heard Fiddler on a Roof? <laughs> Tevia. Thank you, Tevia. Thank you. You know, that's a unique instrument that we, we don't get to hear enough. Thank you very much, Jesse, for, for playing that. Okay, before I get into the message, you can turn to Matthew chapter 9. Before I get into the message, I just wanted to say thank you to the, uh, the uh, meal, uh, the uh, meal train guys that uh, have prepared uh, meals for the, uh, the Jaja family. Uh, that is just a cool thing to do, and I'm grateful for those that pitched in. Thank you. And also, uh, man, it's the, it's the end of the camp uh, season, which means, uh, you know, back in May when we were asking you to pitch in and go out to uh, Crown Point to the church camp every Thursday and, and cook and, and serve and clean up, I just thought, how are we going to do this? And for you that went, didn't it pan out to be the greatest blessing? I hear crickets. Well, well, it was for me. <laughs> uh, I had a blast. We're going one more, one more Thursday. This coming Thursday will be the last time we go out. And uh, again, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Okay, so we're going to dive into Matthew's life. You can tell by the, the screen that Matthew... <clears throat> Is it safe for them to leave? Have I got the thumbs up? I apologize. Okay, let's have the Kingdom kids uh, go to their class at this time. Uh, thank you for reminding me. I got caught up with uh, Fiddler on the stage. And uh, please do it again. I, I shouldn't have teased about it, but it did remind me of Fiddler on the Roof. Okay, so I I'm back to Matthew 9. I'm back to Matthew being called, and he was uh, working for the Roman government in Judea. And that's why I put Rome, Italy, the Internal Revenue Service. He went from IRS to the JESUS. And that's what we all must do. We must be able to leave our mindset of the world and wherever we came from, and we must come to Christ. And therefore, I want to begin with Jesus has called us. And I love the scripture that was placed in the worship today. Uh, Come unto me, all ye that are a labor and are heavy burdened or heavy laden. The, the call is for us to come unto him, and you and I are here today because we've answered the call. And others are answering the call. And so uh, I look at uh, texts like, um, well, well let, let's look at our main text today before I, I read you another one. In Matthew chapter 9, in verses 9 through 13, the calling of Matthew, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so in Matthew's calling, we see our calling as well. 
uh, in 1 Peter uh, chapter uh, 2 and verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called, here it is, who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And then here in this same letter, we find in chapter 5 and verse 10, these words, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you, to his eternal glory in Christ. We have been called by God, and we have answered the call. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says that we are called into fellowship. And in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read quickly uh, the gifts that Jesus has given to the church. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And we have been called to works of service that we would serve him in the kingdom. Be busy about his business. Jesus attracts hurting people. Jesus attracts uh, the socially uh, unaccepted. And he teaches us to hang out with those that are socially unaccepted, that they may feel accepted by kingdom people, Christian people. And I want you to turn over to uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 61, 1 through 3. As we look at the calling, uh, it was prophesied 700 years before Jesus came, and then Jesus, when he began his ministry, he claimed these words as his calling. And so let's read them. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Man, that's a beautiful text. And Jesus claimed that text for himself. I'm, I'm turning over to Luke's gospel, chapter 4. In Luke 4, in verses 16 uh, through 18, it reads, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And listen to this. It was his custom. We, we go to church. It's our custom. And, and so he, as his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read, because they stood when it was time to read Scripture. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Wow. Look at verse 20. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. 
And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so he claimed Isaiah 61 for the text concerning himself when he went to begin that ministry. Wow. In verses 21, 20 and 21, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Matthew is writing about the calling but isn't it interesting that Matthew, humble as he is, gone from an IRS agent, a tax collector for Rome, became a Christian, he does not claim any glory. He only gives himself one verse. One verse. He gave more attention to Peter's mother-in-law having a fever and being healed by Jesus, and she got up and served Jesus and the disciples. <laughs> Matthew's a humble man. To, to walk with Jesus and learn from him and see the miracles and raising the dead and healing, giving sight to the blind and healing people that have never walked before. He gives himself one verse. A humble man. Swindoll said in his book, Saying It Well, every calling involves a sacrifice. When a calling is genuine, you count the costs, but none of the sacrifices. The sacrifices when we serve Jesus do not feel like a hindrance in our life. On the contrary, the challenges that we face in the Christian walk are invigorating. And that's how I want you to see. When you give up something of the world to get closer to Jesus and to serve him in his kingdom, it's not a hindrance. It's invigorating. Try it. He calls us to give up the things of this world that we might serve him. You know, many times when God interrupts our life and, and, and he gets our attention, God moves you and me from distractions onto something greater. And that's what he wants for our life. When we're on this side of it, oh no, look what I got to give up. And I don't know if I can do that. And many don't. But he's calling us to something greater. And that which you gave up will fade. It will grow lesser and lesser as Jesus grows brighter and brighter in your life. It's amazing how uh, the calling paralyzes some people. It paralyzes them because uh, they see what they've got to give up. And they, they just, I, oh no, I've worked so hard to get this. I need this in my life. It's, it's like uh, we that are addicted to donuts. We're, we're addicted to that sugar. And if you can stay off of donuts for a month, and then you go back and go to a party and you eat one, what's that do? That sugar's back in your blood, and, and you've got to have more. And, and if you've ever became a Christian and gave up the world... And you go back and get a taste of the world again. You might be faced with giving up Jesus because you think the world has something better to offer you. And I promise you, it does not. Jesus offers us everything. And many people want the entire journey out on a platter. So, that's not living by faith. Living by faith says, I see an empty platter, but God is going to fill it when he desires. It's all about him, and I will follow him, and that's, that's called faith. But, but we, we've got to see it all. And, and you know why we want to see it all? Because I've got to make a decision. 
Can I give up the world? And can I do what I see on the platter? I want to see the entire vision. And Jesus says, trust me. Just, just come. I call you to come and trust me because it's going to be well worth it. You know, there's a song. Uh, it, it's an old song, but it describes this calling perfectly. Stephen Curtis Chapman, for the sake of the call. We will abandon it all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all but the sake of the call. Wholly devoted to live and to die for the sake of the call. Nobody stood and applauded them. So they knew from the start this road would not lead to fame. All they really knew for sure was Jesus had called to them. He said, come, follow me. And they came with reckless abandon. They came. Try to, try to see the scene. The disciples left their father and the boat. And Stephen goes on to say in his song, empty nets lying there at the water's edge told a story that few could believe and none could explain. How some crazy fishermen agreed to go where Jesus went with no thought to what they would gain. For Jesus had called them by name and they answered, we will abandon it all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all but the sake of the call. Wholly devoted to live and die for the sake of the call. For the sake of the call. And in our story today, Jesus is calling Matthew. And he left that lucrative position of being a tax gatherer for Caesar. And he gave it all for Jesus. You know, it might be your ministry is a church clerk, or a nursery attendant, or an elder, or maybe your ministry is a deacon. Maybe your ministry is a teacher, or maybe you like to visit shut-in. Maybe you like to participate in, in meals in the meal ministry. You get the idea, but I want you to know that is your second. That is your second ministry. What's your first ministry? You have been called to be a Christian. And your first ministry is I will live for Jesus and I will give up anything and everything he wants me to give up. And I will serve him as a Christian. Now your second ministry is you might be a preacher of a congregation. Your second ministry, you might be an elder or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a small group a Bible study leader in your home on Saturday night. But your first call is I will be the best Christian he's ever seen. I will uh, recklessly abandon it all that Jesus Christ can be glorified in my life. I want you to turn over to Luke's gospel in chapter 14. In 14, this is a powerful text, and it's in 27 through 30. Take, take a moment. Look it up on your phone, on your iPad. Turn your scriptures. In Luke 14, and I want to read 27 through 30. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Isn't it amazing to see the 21st century church not carrying her cross and yet saying, I'm a Christian. I'm a good Christian. Don't tell me I'm not a Christian. I'll read it again. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him. 
You started a tower and you can't finish the tower? Now, I'm not going to tell you what psychologists say about all the projects you started and didn't finish. <laughs> because, huh? Now, I got them back at the house too. But the Christian life, there's big consequences of starting the call and not finishing. There's big, there's big consequences totally. Proverbs 16, 9, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 20, verse 24, man's steps are, are ordained by the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? We need to count the cost and pay it. I'm not talking about salvation. That's free. I'm talking about how we can be good, solid Christians because we count the cost and we pay it to serve him. So Matthew called, was called from the tax collector's booth and to our knowledge, Matthew never looked back. So my first point today is discipleship to Christ is tested. The discipleship test. Let's go back to Matthew's uh, gospel where we were. But uh, I want to back up. We're in ninth chapter. Back up to 8th chapter, verses 19 through 22. 19 through 22. Uh, then a scribe came to uh, Jesus and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury uh, my father. 22, Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Now, the fuller account of this we'll read later in the message, and it's in Luke's gospel, chapter 9. But I want to, I want to start with this. Why do people follow Jesus? In Bible times, there were a lot of reasons, as there are a lot of different reasons today. In Bible times, they, they may have followed him because he was going to feed the masses. Hang out with Jesus, and there's going to be a barbecue. And they uh, follow him for the food. Others follow him for the miracles. Others follow him because he teaches as one who has authority. And they enjoyed the word of God presented by him. And so, uh, could it also be that that message brought the forgiveness of sins? It answers the age-old question of how can I be right with God? I can have the forgiveness of sins and be right with God. It means I humble myself. I say, I'm wrong, you're right, and I will do what you say do. I will repent in, in prayer. I'm going to confess that you're my God and that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I will be baptized into him. I'm going to live out every day, not for myself and for this world, this life. I'm going to live for him. And so, man, oh man, that forgiveness of sin, that clean conscience, 1 Peter 3.21 talks about, that's sweet to have a clean conscience before God. Man should be attracted to the fact that sins can be forgiven. Grace uh, just draws men and, and women uh, to God. His grace. 
Isaiah 1.18, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be as wool. And then Isaiah 53.5, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. Uh, He was crushed for our iniquities. Listen to this phrase. The chastening uh, for our our well-being fell upon him. Now that phrase there, The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. I I wanted to get a better grasp on what that was saying, so I looked it up. You know, on on the Internet, you can look up 30 translations like that. They're they're all lined up for you. And so over 30 translations, I looked up this phrase, and a lot of Bibles worded it this way. He went through the disciplining that makes us whole. Another bunch of translations said, he went through the punishment that brought us peace. We have peace with the Father because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. But, but it, it, it's the, the uh, Living Bible that really got my attention. The Living Bible said, He was beaten that we might have peace. He was lashed and we were healed. I like that. I love that text, what he did. You can bow your head to to the Lord's Supper and thank him that though we are sinners, that he was beaten, that we could have peace with God. He was lashed, whipped with a bullwhip, or actually it was a flagrum, it was a shorter whip with tassels. They'd tie metal or glass in the end of that and just lacerate a man's back to smithereens. Many men want to jump on the bandwagon. That's a good thing. But do you know what it's going to cost you? And are you willing to pay the price of being a Christian? I promise you, I promise you, and back it up with Scripture, he did not call us to an hour a week. He called us to the full week that we would be his people and that we would count the cost and be willing to pay it. Don't worry, God will prepare the future. Yeah, I know, but it, I might have to give up a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's your problem? Well, I, you know, I could die. If I go to a foreign country, I could be killed. Yeah, yeah, millions before you have already died. What's your problem? But I like, I like the, the, the latte Christian uh, just give me my little Christian station and my little latte and, and uh, go to work happy and, and don't infringe on me because I, I, I'll, I'll seek a new church. He's calling us. He's calling us. And so I want you to go over to that Luke 9, that Luke 9 passage. Luke 9, 57 through 62. You've got to get into this. Luke 9, 57 through 62. Let's read. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another said, follow me, Uh, but he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another also said, 
I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is what? Is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, we would say, I'm not fit for the kingdom of God anyway, and it's by his grace. But here he's describing the cost and how to pay it. And that's what he's describing. And so, uh, here is the fuller account. <clears throat> it describes a third man that Matthew's account did not put in. In verse 57, <clears throat> the words, someone said, Matthew told us who the someone was. He said it was a scribe. And so in 58, Jesus is saying, are you sure you want to come? Uh, there are sacrifices, and, and there are circumstances that you're not going to like. And, and it's not for the uncommitted. It, it's for the committed and for the determined and for those who are sure of themselves and what they want. And they can taste salvation, and they have to have it. What I'm describing to the church today is, God is not going to tolerate a bunch of flim-flam nothing. He demands in the calling that we come to him and give him everything. Well, he better be thankful for my sacrifice I'm giving to him. He don't know what I'm giving up. I wouldn't say those words to him. Or if you think this world thing don't work out, I'll give my life to Jesus later. But right now, I think the world has more to offer me. Those aren't good words to tell the God of the heaven. In verses 58 and 59, another one brought conditions as to how he would serve. He said, I want to follow you, Lord, but first... Did you hear that? I say, uh-oh. You want to follow me, but first... Did you really have to throw in those words, but first? See, but first means I've got a better plan than you. I like your plan. I eventually want to check in. But first, I've got a plan. And let me fill my plan out. And so here we want to look at it here in two ways. 58 and 59 Jesus said to him, the foxes, in hole, uh, have, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. There's not a Ritz-Carlton. You're not going to stay at the Hampton Inn tonight. We'll be under the stars. And that's cool the first night, but it's not so cool the second and the third and the third month and the third year. And he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. Now, you can look at this two ways. There's two theories about this. Let those who are spiritually dead bury the physically dead. You who are spiritually alive, you go and do the will of the Lord. You answer the call. You serve Jesus with all your heart. The second idea of this text is his father had already died, but... <clears throat> They had not yet switched the bones. Let me describe it this way. If your family was blessed enough to have a cave and they would carve out of rock that shelf that they put the dead person on, and then after a year when, when your body is decayed, they would take your bones and place them in an ossuary. And those bones would go in the bone box. 
And then I would imagine if your family could not afford a bunch of caves and a bunch of bone boxes, that the bones got taken out and stacked over the decades. That's a gross picture. We don't practice that in America. We've got a lot of land. <clears throat> that picture there is probably from the catacombs underneath the streets of Rome. <clears throat> where they had to keep burying, 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 and assemble the bones and up against the wall. <clears throat> and so, what's the thinking here? <clears throat> the body would be placed in a tomb, and a year later, the bones would be collected and placed in a bone box. And this man may have been saying, my dad's already dead, but let me go <clears throat> and tend to the family business, and I'll catch up later. <clears throat> but when you want to answer the call, nothing should stop you there are other people that contend to the bone box. You come and serve now. In 61 and 62, we find these words, I will follow you, Lord, but first uh, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Uh, but Jesus said to him, uh, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so what, what, are we, what, what is the harm, Jesus? What is the harm in telling people back at home where I'm going to be, where I'm going? Well, in that circumstance, Jesus knew that person's heart. He knows our hearts as well. Here it is. If you're looking for approval from those back at home, you're not ready to serve Jesus. If you're a mama's boy, if you're a daddy's girl, and you cannot give up even back home, to go where God wants you to go, you're not ready. You're not ready. Secondly, if you're looking for applause, boy, boy wait till I get back to the house and tell them that I've accepted Christ and am baptized, and uh, they're just going to be so proud of me. No, they're not. There is a reason why they've never given their life to Christ and have never been baptized, and they're not going to stand up from the kitchen table and applaud you because you walk in the room and announce you're going to go serve Jesus not going to happen. And then you're looking for appreciation in the eyes of those at home. It is an impure motive for serving Jesus Christ. So if you're looking for approval and applause and appreciation, <laughs> look to the throne. Look to the throne. Wow. If you have to let people at home know you're going to serve Jesus, and you're asking their permission, you're not ready. You may be too young for the calling. Jesus needs men that are going to step up to the plate and swing the bat for Jesus. He needs women that will do the same thing. Secondly today, own the job training. Let's get back to our text of Matthew 9 and look at it, verse 10. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And so uh, Matthew 9, verse 10, talks about this on-the-job training. And you need to get out of your house and go be where people are that you can talk to people about Jesus. You need to get out of your office and you need to get out where people are and talk about your relationship with God and what God is doing, spectacular things he's doing in your life. There's several things that can be found in the text about this training. Number one is everyone and anyone can come to Jesus. 
Anyone and everyone gets to come if they want to. So come, come. The Pharisees were close enough to see. They were close enough to respond. They were close enough to receive. They were close enough, but they were close enough and they rejected. They rejected. Instead of saying, count me in, they were wanting to pick a fight with Jesus. You know people like that? Instead of saying, count on me, preacher, they want to pick a fight with you about it. And that's what's going on here in this text. Let's go back to the text again, verse 12. When Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. And so uh, his heart was to minister to the lost sheep of Israel. And you have already experienced that Jesus has ministered to your heart. He's ministered to your heart as well. Verse 13, go and learn. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. For I did not come uh, to, the call, to call the righteous, but sinners. I desire compassion or mercy, not sacrifice. I, I'm turning over to a text in, in Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. I hope i got time for this text. This is a powerful text in, in how the nation of Israel, the Jews, haven't we called them the people of God? We've called them that for decades. And they're not serving God in Hosea's day. Come, let us return to the Lord, the prophet said. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He, he will revive us after two days. He will raise us up after the third day that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. Uh, his, his going forth is as certain as the dawn. And he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. Keep reading. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? For your loyalty, now here's what I need you to get. For your loyalty is like the morning cloud, like the dew which goes away early. That's what your loyalty is like. Therefore I have hewn them in pieces by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And the judgments on you are like the light that goes forth. Here's verse 6. For I delight in loyalty <clears throat> rather than sacrifice. And in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. <clears throat> Think about what he's saying. In verse 4, your loyalty is like a morning cloud. What is that? It's here now and it's gone. You guys have been to an island uh, like Ireland or Puerto Rico. And how rainstorms come like that. It's an island. The, storm, the, wind, the, the rains come and they're gone that fast. And that's what he's saying about this cloud, the morning cloud. It's here and then it's gone. And he says to the nation of Israel, he says, that's what your loyalty is like. It's just a cloud. And it, it blows over. Can't you do better than that, he's saying. The dew was considered a blessing from God. <clears throat> your loyalty to God is not a blessing. Your loyalty is not loyalty. It's gone. God says, I want mercy. I want compassion. I want loyalty out of you. And in, in, in Matthew's gospel again, chapter 9, verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? They were picking 
nitpicking. They were judging. Why is Jesus eating with the tax collectors? No mercy, no compassion, no loyalty. Now, <clears throat> Jesus is setting the record straight with who? The religious people. Yeah, the religious people, those who have their ducks in a row, those who've done it right in their eyes, and, and he's letting them have it. And so, <clears throat> today, we've got our work cut out for us as well, to be good disciples for him. In verse 13, it says, But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. Is there someone in your life you need to share compassion with? Isn't there someone, Holy Spirit, put in our mind's eye, what do we need to see? Is there someone we're not showing compassion and we're not being loyal to you? We claim that you forgave us and we forgive others and we pray that prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who trespass against us and we're not forgiving. We're not compassionate. What does he want from us? God wants a repentant heart. He wants a, a loving heart. He wants justice and mercy and kindness and love for fellow man. That's the kind of sacrifice he wants. I want you to consider how precious your soul is. Your soul is so precious that both God and Satan wants it. There's not a stronger illustration to show you how valuable you are if both God and the devil want your soul. And so, consider the cost of serving Jesus and pay the cost and come for his salvation. It's free. He died on the cross that you could have life and have life abundantly. But come, don't turn the call down. You are so precious in his sight. He loves you so much that both God and the devil want you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to celebrate this calling of Matthew and what this means. And that Matthew answered the call. He gave up the lucrative position of being a tax collector for Caesar. And he... He gave it all up to, to serve you. And I want the church today, Father, to, to, to do the same. I want us to be able to, to give up anything that's in the way of worshiping you. I, I want the church to be able to give up, me included, Lord, anything that's going to stop me from serving you. Lord, we've got 10,000 excuses why we're not going to come. And the devil's going to put some more in our thought pattern right now. But Jesus died for us and gave us new life if we will come to him. He provides it, and I'm asking for people to come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, let's all stand together. Let's sing together and give your life to Jesus. Come, take my hand.